1: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is March 15th, 2017. My name is Phil Prosman reich I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. A nice little off day for the Orlando Magic coming off of Monday's loss to the Sacramento Kings. They don't play again until Thursday. Against the Golden State Warriors, and they'll wrap up this three-game West Coast trip on Friday against the Phoenix Suns. So, uh, a kind of nice little reprieve, the Magic out on the West Coast. So, you know, not a lot going on uh, as far as what's on on our end. Uh, we are watching a few things though, as as the road trip continues. But on today's episode, I'm gonna try and keep it a little bit brief. But today's episode, we're gonna talk. A little bit about Evan Fournier, and a little bit about Terrence Ross, and some of some of their opportunities and some of their struggles uh, in this new Magic lineup as, as two of the main scores and, and certainly the wing players that that the Magic want to emphasize and, and want to have uh, out there uh, on the floor. Uh, so you know, both both have disappointed, both have found success uh, since the All Star break. So we'll talk a little bit about them and, and the seasons that they're having. With the Magic, uh, no real news to talk about, no real news to speak of. Uh, of course, the NCAA Tournament is getting ready to start. Uh, it's actually technically started on Tuesday. John Collins, maybe Wake Forest is a prospect people wanted to see. Um, I think he'll probably stay another year at Wake Forest. Uh, but Great score, but Wake Forest bowed out of the tournament. Uh, Thursday is the main event, of course, uh, with the first round the first round proper of the NCAA Tournament. Uh, plenty of guys to watch. Be sure to check out the step back uh, as well as... Uh, the other great Locked On podcast. I'm sure we'll have some on the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, We'll be watching a lot of players. I'm actually, uh, you know, this is the the, the podcast announcement. Uh, I am not right now planning on having episodes the rest of this week, so this will be the last episode, at least the last full episode of Locked On Magic this week. Uh, We'll be back in full force on Monday uh, to recap the Magic's game against the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I'm hoping... To maybe do brief game recaps after Thursday and Friday's game, I- I'm not going to guarantee anything. Uh, at the very least, maybe over the weekend, I'll-, I'll comment a little bit on the games against the Golden State Warriors uh, and the Phoenix Suns. I, I apologize for that. I'm going to be out of town. I'm, act- I'm traveling to Salt Lake City to watch the Northwestern Wildcats uh, in their first NCAA tournament. Very excited about that. But I'll get a good look, hopefully, at some of Zach Collins from Gonzaga, as well as Laurie Markkinen and Alonzo Trier from Arizona. Right now, Arizona's my pick to win the national championship, so I think we'll get plenty of looks at them. Uh, of course, the other players to, to, to be aware of as the NCAA tournament uh, gets set to, to tip off. Uh, you know, Duke, obviously big, big name, Jason Tatum. Uh, is, is a guy that, that certainly the Magic could look at with that first pick. Uh, actually, tomorrow night might be a good time to take a look at Tyler Lydon from Syracuse. Syracuse's game was postponed Tuesday. It'll be played Wednesday. It's on ESPN3 if you get streaming. Uh, Tyler Lydon will be a guy that the Magic might look at with that second pick in the 20s. A bunch of guys, of course, to, to, to look at there. I haven't quite dug into, into that list yet either. Uh, but... At the top of the draft, you know, you kind of know the names. Jonathan Isaac, Florida State. He'll be at, in Orlando at the Amway Center uh, to play for the, for the Seminoles uh, with that with that game. He's definitely a guy that you could take. Uh, Kentucky, obviously. Malik Monk, the Aaron Fox are, are, are guys that are high up. Even, even Bam out of Bio could be a guy that the Magic look at with that pick in the 20s. I think he's slated to go late first round right now. Kansas has Josh Jackson. They're one seed uh, in the tournament. Uh, I, I would expect... A lot of these guys to advance uh, so I don't think this will be our last chance to take a look at them Uh, you know Florida State if you want to see Jonathan Isaac this weekend might be the weekend I, I think they'll have a tough road getting out of their pod Maryland and Xavier are both very good uh, and Florida Gulf Coast is, is, a, is a trendy upset pick right now and, and they're not traveling very far so uh, you know, Florida State. I think they'll have home court advantage, but uh, they'll lose a little bit of it, I believe, as well. Um, who else are the top prospects uh, to look at? Markel Fultz and Dennis Smith are obviously gone. Lonzo Ball, of course, from UCLA. Guy, the guy though, to, to me to watch for UCLA. I mean, we know what Lonzo Ball can do, um, but TJ Leaf is really uh, the power forward for UCLA. Has really climbed draft boards of late. Uh, I, the last when I first kind of caught wind of him and started watching him a little bit, uh, he was in the range that the Magic were picking. Uh, it's, it's it's apparent now that he's going to get into the late teens and outside of the twenty range, which will be beyond the Magic's reach. But good 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 kid. He's got good footwork, uh, you know, good hands. I was I was really impressed with the way he played UCLA. Another kind of trendy pick to win the NCAA tournament. Uh, so now uh, let that serve as your very brief NCAA tournament preview. Um, I'm sure we'll discuss that a little bit more. Um, you know, maybe I'll try and get, get a guest on to talk a little bit about some of the top prospects as the tournament continues, especially after this first weekend. Um, my advice again, and, and I, I jokingly will write this uh, later, don't overreact to NCAA tournament performances. They're just one game. They're not as meaningful as you want to think they are. Uh, but it's good to get them get looking at them at on a bigger stage. It's kind of the first exposure for many casual NBA fans who maybe only watch college during the NCAA tournament. So uh, definitely some some talent in this draft. I mean, I I know when I've talked to people, I've said I'm a little bit lower on this draft than most. Um, I like Marco Fultz, I like Lonzo Ball. I'm not convinced they're franchise changing talents though, but. You want to pick at the top of the draft because they're better players, and and Fultz and Ball are far and away the best players in this draft. When you get into that tier of Josh Jackson, uh, uh, Malik Monk, Jonathan Isaac, uh, Jason Tatum now has really climbed climbed draft boards, and and deservedly so. He's played really, really well for Duke of late. Um, When you get into that group, I think you're you're starting to get into uh, these are some nice players. Some boomer bust potential. I think I think Isaac and, and Tatum have a lot of boomer bust potential. I, I like Tatum a, lo- a little bit more than Isaac right now. Uh Malik Monk, great shooter, but probably not a star. You know, once you kind of leave that first tier, that first three, you know, you're getting into some some shaky territory because at the end of the day, the NBA draft is a crapshoot and and it's it's really just chance at, at the end of the day, even just getting the top t- top three pick is chance, uh, which is an issue I know Magic fans are are very keenly aware of. Um We'll do more about the draft, of course, uh, in June after the season ends when we can turn our full attention to it. Uh, now is just the time to, to begin being somewhat aware of the guys that are going to be on the Magic's radar, that are going to be on the draft boards, and start figuring out who these players are. And certainly one game, two games, three games is not a strong sample size. you got to watch multiple games. you got to kind of get a good sense of the way these guys play before you can make any conclusions. And certainly, general managers who are traveling to the various tournament sites to, to look at these players, they're not making conclusions based on these games. They're, they're only looking to add information to what they've already gathered on these players. They do exhaustive research on these on these players. And really, this is just—and I always like to remind people this— It's it's an important part, it's a big part, because what you do on the court is very, very important— it's a big part of the process. It is not the only part of the process. The magic, or any every team, you know, they'll take all this information that they've gathered, and they will then continue on to add. They'll continue to add to it with the interviews, with the workouts, and the workouts. I don't think are as important as the as the interviews. Even the interviews are big, just to begin learning and understanding who these guys, who these players are as people. Uh, the workouts are honestly more important to see. How they take coaching, how they take your coaching specifically, uh, and how they interact um, kind of in in that, in that setting, in that environment. Um, it, they're, they're the play on the court and, and what they've done through their careers and in their season is still probably the most important thing. But all, all this gets added up, and then you make a decision on draft day, which is so far away, it's still three months away. But the process really begins to, to, to narrow now. Especially for casual, casual NBA fans who who may not follow the college game or NBA fans who don't call, follow the college game, now is the time to really start digging into these guys and start figuring out. Okay, what do I need to learn? What do I, as a as a fan and observer, need need to learn more about about these players or, or try and figure out as, as I'm beginning to to figure out who the Magic or who, who my team my team's Magic who they're gonna gonna go after. Um, as I've always said, when you're drafting this high in the as high in the draft as the Magic appear to be drafting, they currently have the fourth best lottery odds. You take the best player available. I, you know, if the Magic end up fourth or even fifth in the draft, they're going to get a good player. Uh, you know, that's why I'm not so concerned with the tanking question that everyone has of me and has of this team. Um, I think I don't. I, I, you know, obviously, you want the choice um, if, if you're going to have it, but I think there's about five or six really good players in this draft. Um, not like all-star players, but solid contributors, and I think that's what you're really going for uh, in the draft. Just make sure you get a player that can contribute. Uh, and, uh, you know, especially higher, you would prefer them be a star and not be a complete kind of, you know, be a complete project. But, you know, you can only do what you can do with the draft. And, and I, think, I think there are some good players that will be able to contribute uh, pretty quickly. A uh, couple guys that do have some star potential, a couple guys who can grow into it, and a couple guys that are, that are big risks, uh, as there always are in the draft. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Now, that went a little bit longer than I wanted it to. Sorry about that. Uh, just get my NCAA tournament thoughts out there. I'll be thinking NCAA tournament for the next few days. Um, just and, and just to be clear on all this, you can always get the latest on Orlando Magic on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Oh, I I am gonna be out of town. I'm hoping to keep updating Orlando Magic Daily. At least have a quick recap of the two games and and come back and, and talk about them more uh, in, at length uh, later on. Uh, in the week, it's you know I, I apologize for this. It's just uh, just kind of how things go, I guess. Um, but uh, hopefully, I'll, I'll I'll be able to do a quick recap on on, on lockdown magic so you can get that fixed. Uh, and hopefully, as well, uh, I can get back uh, get back get get some coverage on there as well to to add my thoughts on these two pretty important games for the magic. I, I don't want to neglect you. I don't want to neglect anybody here. Um, but I'm I'm just giving you the fair warning. Let's get into what I wanted to chat about today, and that is the two wing players for the Orlando Magic. That's Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross. We're going to start with Evan Fournier. Um, Evan Fournier has had an interesting season, to say the least. Uh, He is scoring at a a better rate than he was last year. He's averaging a career-high 16.9 points per game, which is best on the team. It's up from last year. Yet, I think... And he's even playmaking more. He's averaging 3.2 assists per game, which is up, which is a career high as well. Fournier has seen his usage increase, and I think this was something everyone expected, especially after the Magic traded Victor Oladipo away. Everyone kind of sensed, okay, the Magic are investing more in Evan Fournier and investing in him, maybe not necessarily to put the ball in his hands, but to be the team's primary scorer. That's just kind of... Reality, unfortunately. Uh, not, Not unfortunately, but that's just kind of reality that that was the role he was going to play. And there was a fair amount of skepticism that he could play this. I mean, I think the biggest problem with the Magic, and most people would probably agree, is the Magic lack a go to score. They lack a guy who can create shots for himself off the perimeter. And that has been a glaring need for the team. And that role has consistently fallen to Evan Fournier to complete. And as as I argue with, with just about everyone at this point, good teams are good because they put players in the right place. That, that seems obvious. Bad teams are bad not necessarily because they have bad players. I think Evan Fournier is a good player and he's obviously scoring well. Bad teams to me are bad because they're forced, to, they're, they're forced to ask players to do more than they're capable of. And even though Evan Fournier is scoring more in about the same minutes that he was last year, it definitely feels like Evan Fournier has taken a bit of a step back this year. He's uh, got a 49.8% effective field goal percentage, the first time under 50% on effective field goal percentages. Three-point shooting is a career-worst 34.6%. He's shooting 43.4% from the floor. He's lost a lot of his efficiency that made him so good last year. Last year, he shot 46.2% and 40% from three. And honestly, I think a lot of that was, and, and if you look at the numbers, a lot of it was because he didn't have to be the main creator. He benefited from, from Victor Oladipo and Alfred Payton creating for him. And, and Fournier, to me, is really good at attacking gaps in the defense. When the defense is rotating to him and cl- trying to close out, he's very good at attacking that or running a quick pick and roll as the defense is still trying to get set and figure out how to defend it. Uh, he is not good at forcing his own shot. He's not good at creating offense, necess- not necessarily for himself, but creating offense from kind of a standstill, break-you-down-one-on-one type deal. He's decent in the pick and roll, but not great, and and Fournier is certainly more than a spot up shooter. He's capable of being more than a spot up shooter, but it very much feels like in an ideal world, Fournier is either your sixth man or your third or fourth your third option in an offense. Fournier's had to be the first option in the offense this year. Not only has he kind of been forced to be the first option, you know, just by the talent on the roster, teams are treating him as such. He's moved up on the on the scouting reports of most. Teams, he is the guy that that teams know we have to stop. And and Fournier can get hot, and he can really burn 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 teams. But he's the guy that that teams focus on stopping on the perimeter. He gets to face the Jimmy Butler's of the world. He gets to face the Kawhi Leonard's of the world for the most part. He's the guy that teams game plan for. And it's it's a challenge that Fournier is happy to take. I mean, I think that's that that's a compliment in some way. Um, it's not not in some way. It is a compliment. I mean, it's also kind of reality. But that's what he's facing every single night. And yeah, Fournier could do a little bit more. Um, he could be a little bit better as a passer. He struggled to to know when to be the right to to pass at the right times. Learning when to drive. Learning when to kick. Learning when to 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 set up others, learning how and when to set up his own shot. He'll sometimes drive into the lane a little bit wild and, and throw something up there, and, and it doesn't look good. Or take a, a contested fadeaway jumper, or take a take a tough shot when maybe there's an outlet there for him to take for him to, to relieve the pressure. That's a continuing struggle for a young player trying to figure out where he fits in the league. The unfortunate reality is the Magic just aren't in a position to, to use him maybe at his most optimal. Or at least most optimal for the team's success sometimes. Fournier at times, and I think this is a fair criticism of him, has kind of let the alpha roll Go to his head a little bit, and, and he, he's trying to do too much. He's trying to force things instead of waiting through the waiting through the offense or Frank Vogelism here, trusting the pass. He's trying to be the guy, and he doesn't have to be. I really don't think so. It's been to me this season for Evan Fournier has been a mixed bag. He's been good. But not good enough, almost. It's going to be interesting to see how he evolves next. Do the Magic bring in that player that can attract attention and relieve some of that creation pressure from Evan Fournier? Do the Magic try and use Evan Fournier more with second unit lineups like they did earlier in the season to... Have him going up against maybe players that he can break down a little bit more and play that role. Can Fournier take another step up in his game? How do you get Fournier? How do you use Fournier's three pointer, three point shot more effectively? Because again, I think another problem with the Magic's offense, especially earlier in the year, was Fournier was the one that had to create, and there were no shooters out there. I mean, if Fournier is trying to create before Serge Ibaka was, when Serge Ibaka was here, Alfred Payton and Aaron Gordon are lining the wings teams are sinking into the paint. He's got to ta- he's got to take bad shots at that point because there's just no space. The space has helped him. He's getting into the paint more. He's finishing a little bit better. But it's still not his natural skill set, I don't think. And this isn't an insult to to, to Evan. I don't, I don't know if he listens. Evan's a cool guy. I'm sure he listens to Locked On Magic. It's just about finding the right place and the right way to use him. And the magic are still figuring it out, and some of that is figuring out the roster and getting players in the proper roles for success. Fournier, Fournier has had a rough season, but he's still a good player, and I know there's a lot of people that are frustrated with his play, and I, I agree. He has had to; he's had to do more than perhaps he is capable of at a high level in the NBA. For a winning team. And that's partly why the Magic are where they're at. And I think a big issue for the Magic, I mean, among the many issues the Magic have to resolve this summer, is how do we maximize this player that we've invested so much in? And, and, of course, we'll see what happens the rest of this season as well as next season. Another player that we're kind of still getting a feel for and figuring out who this guy is is Terrence Ross. It's been 10 games now since he joined the Magic, and the results have been probably about what we should have expected because... Ross was wildly inconsistent in Toronto, and he remains at least relatively inconsistent with the Magic. His stat line through 10 games, 11.1 points per game, that's up from his Toronto time, but he's averaging 10 more minutes per game. So he's he's increased uh, by 7.7 points per game with a 10.4 minutes per game increase. He's shooting an icy 38.6%, including 27.3% from beyond the arc. 45.2% effective field goal percentage in his 10 games with the Magic. Undoubtedly, the production from Terrence Ross has been really, really frustrating. Because I think a lot of people see the potential that he has. Those first few games that that Ross was playing, when we were getting a feel for him and getting to, to know him. He was really athletic. His I mean, his athleticism stood out. The Magic just did not have a guy with that kind of speed on the floor before, and you could tell you could tell he was moving just so quickly, and he was able to to get into into the paint a little bit, able to get a shot off on a dime, just kind of stop, pull up, and, and hit, and and those are skills the Magic needed, and people got maybe got a little bit ahead of themselves. Because you know, the last guy the Magic got from Toronto, who you know was begging for more playing time, turned out pretty well. You know, People who were trying to make the team act comparison, I think that was a little unfair to Terrence Ross. He's not Tracy McGrady. Not in the least. He is an inconsistent player who can get hot and score a lot of points, or he can be pretty invisible. And the Magic have seen a very invisible Terrence Ross so far. Again, thirty-eight point six percent shooting, twenty-seven point three percent from the, from beyond the arc. His field goal attempts have been increased to eleven point four per game, so he is getting shots. And, and and I know that there have been some some plays and some games where he hasn't gotten the same shots and the same opportunities that they want. I I think the magic, imagine needs to figure out what he is and how best to use him. Whether he's whether they should keep him in kind of the six man role that Toronto used him as, or whether he can be a starter. I don't think he's a, a great player off the dribble. I don't think they should be using him in pick and rolls. But I think you run him off pin downs and curls and get him on dribble handoffs, get him the ball while he's moving where he can use that speed and, and, and some space created by a screen, I think that can be really effective. I think running flares to get him open shots in the same way that you run some, some screen plays for Jody Meeks, I think that can be really effective too. And I don't think the Magic are doing that as much. I think the Magic are using him primarily as a spot-up shooter so far. So certainly there's room for improvement there. But the Magic also have a few other things that they need to take care of and a few other things that they need to, uh, need to do to, to get Ross, again, to his full potential. That's what all this is about. Getting these players to play at their absolute best within the confines of the team. Ross is going to have good games the rest of this year. He's going to have bad games. That's that's kind of his nature. He's a streaky shooter. And the Magic need to figure out if he can be more. That's a big chunk of what this the rest of the season is. And certainly I think there's an argument that they're not putting him in, in positions that, that he can really succeed. Because he's kind of a stand-around spot-up shooter. He's, you know the way he's getting the ball and getting his shots aren't necessarily going to be conducive to his success in the long run. The Magic are still figuring out Terrence Ross. I I think even through 10 games, they're not quite sure how best to use him. And some of that's just he needs to produce a little bit more. Transition, fast break definitely suits him. Getting him in transition is a good thing that will make him a better player. And and his athleticism and his speed really suits a fast breaking style. But obviously too Orlando needs to needs to continue pushing to to get him shots number 1, keep him involved in ways that aren't just spot up shooting and get him out in motion get him out moving. Make defenses react to the threat of his cutting and his and his and his, you know, shooting. He's got to prove that all again, of course, but it's it's you know, that there's still and this is kind of the larger point of all this. There are still so many questions about the magic. Questions that we wanted to get answered at the beginning of the season that haven't been answered yet. That are still kind of hanging in the air about the player these players and their development. And I don't know whose fault it is. It could just be roster construction, that the way the roster is constructed puts players in positions that they're not capable of succeeding talent-wise. And it's not a knock on, on them. Their record is what their record is. And and you know, my my general again, my general theory is NBA players are good basketball players. But you You need to be put in a position where you can succeed based on your talent, your ability, uh, and how you can break down defenses. Playing a guy who is not a one-on-one player and putting him in isos or or asking him to create, that's going to be difficult for a team to succeed with. And that's, I think, the quandary that the Magic are facing right now with Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross. They're being forced to ask them to do more than they can, and their their record certainly suggests it. And they haven't been able to figure out how to kind of relieve that pressure enough to get them in a place to succeed. And I think that's why we're seeing them struggle the way that they're struggling. I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Talking a little, talking a little bit about the the, the Magic's backcourt at the moment. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on this, of course, uh, as the season moves on. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast or subscribe to the podcast, you can do so on iTunes, Audible, Stitcher, TuneIn. You probably already knew that. Please leave us a review. Let us let uh, let everyone know what you think about the podcast. Helps us climb the rankings so that others. Can find us and enjoy Locked On Magic. Although probably not the rest of this week, probably not Thursday and Friday because I'm going to be out of town and uh, probably not going to be able to do podcasts. But uh, hope, hopefully, we'll, we'll see. I'm gonna uh, we'll see if I can if I can sneak sneak away and, and, and record a quick reaction to to the games uh, this weekend. Again, the Magic take on the Golden State Warriors on Thursday night. Golden State uh, with a narrow victory over Philadelphia. On Tuesday, good, really good game. Uh, Draymond Green with some incredible plays down the stretch. Uh, Golden State actually was down 10 in the second half at home to Philadelphia uh, until Stephen Curry became a flamethrower, and that was that goal. Philadelphia just couldn't execute down the stretch. Golden State made some nice plays, especially on the defensive end, to win that game. Uh, we'll see if Orlando can pick them off instead. And then, of course, the Magic take on the Suns on Friday night in Phoenix to close out this three-game road trip. They'll be back home on Saturday, they'll be back home on Monday to take on the Philadelphia 76ers. Unless I can uh, sneak away and do a podcast, I'll. I'm, it'll probably be a quick reaction reaction podcast to the games. Um, I will see you all Monday. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at Omagic oh Daily. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well, as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. Until next time, whenever it is. This has been Philip Rossmanreich of Locked On Magic and OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We will see you all again next time on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks.